If you had one last chance to watch cricket, one last chance for the rest of your life to watch the game so many love, who would you choose to take to the field? Join me, sports journalist Oliver Laurie, as we chronicle the life of the most important names in cricket, getting to know the person behind the personality. And along the way, we'll discover their cricketing dream team. The ground, batter, bowler, keeper, captain, fielder, and even cricket tees that they would want to see as their time watching cricket, unfortunately, came to an end. Welcome to the Cricket Chronicles podcast. My guest this week is Indian cricketer turned broadcaster, Deep Dasgupta. On and off the pitch, Deep has achieved so much in cricket. Not that you'd realise that after meeting him, however. The wicketkeeper batter played eight test matches for India, including a test century against England in 2001, and has now established himself as one of the premier cricket broadcasters on the circuit. But he doesn't get, and I dare say doesn't give himself, the credit he deserves for that which he's achieved. In some senses, it's easy to see why. Playing in the same eleven as the likes of Sachin Tendulkar, Rahul Dravid and VVS Laxman would surely temper the confidence of even the most confident of young players. But in other senses, it's not. Despite the fortuitous nature of his debut, more on that later, he earned the right to stand shoulder to shoulder with giants of world cricket, and nothing will ever be able to take that away from him. Dasgupta reflects on the unmatched pride of representing your country, the dark times that followed after he was released from the India setup, and the moment he'll cherish above all others as he's watching his final game of cricket. I really hope you enjoy our conversation. You were born in Kolkata in 1977. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. did you first become aware of cricket? Uh, well, that's interesting because my elder brother was an athlete. So, and I'm the 83 generation, right? Uh, in India, 83 generation is a different group of people because uh, we grew up hearing, watching uh, about cricket and it was huge winning the World Cup. Uh, so that changed everything. So everywhere we went, I was only, what, six years old then. Everywhere we went, uh, it would be about cricket. It would be about cricketers. And uh, my dad, as in my family, not just my dad, is, is like a usual cricket crazy Indian family that we were. Uh, so it was quite natural. And the fact that uh, my elder brother was into athletics, uh, so we would he would go for practice and I was too young, so I would go with him in that place where there would be cricket as well. Uh, so I think, yeah, I just gravitated into cricket and it just came naturally. Mm-hmm. But am I right in thinking that you grew up in Delhi? Yes, that's right. Uh, so... My parent, my dad was working for a, for a company in Delhi. Uh, so even though I was born in Calcutta, but I grew up in Delhi. And then obviously after a few years, went back to Calcutta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. And, um, and I'd love to dig further into your family life shortly. But first, I'm going to have to ask you the inevitable question when people agree to come on this podcast. Um, so you're imagining you only have one last game of cricket to watch. And you have to decide... Mm-hmm. Your dream lineup who you'd like to see playing in this match how do you think you will cope knowing that you've only got one last match of cricket to watch then i'm gonna go back to early uh 20th century or even late 19th century where uh, when we used to have uh these um 
you know, we will have these uh, test matches which would go on forever. So at least uh, you could get to watch uh, these guys forever. I mean, it wasn't, uh, it, it won't be just five day affair or something. So it can go on forever. So uh, that's one thing I would want. Uh, secondly, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the 70s and the 80s. Uh, huge fan. I think cricket was at its best during that period. Mm. So I would, would want to see a lot of those guys in there. You know, seventies and eighties. I mean, you look across all test playing nations at that point in time, and you'll find at least four to five superstars there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the competition between bat and ball was was brilliant. Uh, you talk about all rounders, you talk about fast bowlers, you talk about batters, uh, spinners. I mean, seventies and eighties for me was the golden era of of at least test cricket. Yeah. Well, you're the first person, I should have known this really, inviting you on deep, but you're the first person who's thought outside of the box. But if I'm, going to have one, if I'm going to have one more game to watch, I'll make it a timeless test so it can go on forever. Absolutely, it can just go on forever and, 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 and also get those 70s and 80s batters who were back forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lovely. Well, um, in that case, for the timeless test, uh, I'm going to make sure that this is as good of a lineup for you as you can. Um, so I'm going to ask you for the location for the cricket ground. So if you had one last chance to watch cricket, mm. which is Eden Gardens? Ground? Eden Gardens. Eden Gardens. Mm-hmm. Old on you? Ah, geez. Uh, so Eden Gardens. I I know Eden from the '90s, right? When things had changed, the new stands had come up and stuff like that. I mean, even though at that point in time you didn't have the bucket seats, but um, it was very concrete, but I've seen pictures of Eden Gardens in the seventies with the old scoreboard and wooden benches and stuff. I would like that actually. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a little old school that way. I wouldn't mind the the old pavilion, old wooden scoreboard. Yeah, why not? Yes, please. Yeah, I only asked that because I had Prakash Wakanka on the podcast. Oh, uh, Prakash! Yeah, he made a very strong point to say, "I want Eden Gardens, but I want old Eden Gardens." I want to talk a little about your family life. Um, mm. What was your relationship like with your parents? And did you have siblings? Yes, I've got, uh, I've got an elder brother. Uh, I mean, to be very honest, I uh, was fortunate enough uh, to have parents who were encouraging. Because it's not an easy thing for a middle-class family like ours. And it's, I, I mean, my father's a chartered accountant. My brother, even though he was an athlete, but he's a chartered accountant as well. So it was... Uh, so it wasn't easy for them to accept that I'll, um, I'll be a cricketer, right? Because even, I mean, I did my unis and then while I was doing my unis, I sat for my foundation for chartered accountants. It's a founder, which you can do while you're in the uni. Uh, so yeah, so those things, I mean, cricket was till I was 20 1920 wasn't uh, my career option. It was more like, yeah, I love to play the sport. I'm decently all right at it. But it was always going to be cricket. Uh, I mean, always going to be uh, academics, you know, 
be another CEO or an MBA or do something on those lines of finances and stuff. Uh, so, but obviously my parents uh, and my elder brother, who's nine years elder to me, so he's also kind of like, you know, uh, a father figure. So uh, amongst them three, it was kind of uh, them to kind of keep encouraging me. But one thing, obviously, uh, right through those early years, I was told that uh, play cricket, but don't compromise with education. I mean, that's not happening. So the bare minimum was uni. <clears throat> and, uh, and so, yeah, so that happened. Also, the call of then me sending me over to a different city to play cricket, uh, which is like from Delhi to Kolkata. It's a, it's a two-hour plus flight. And that's the distance we're talking about, 1,500 miles or something. So just to send me when I was 17 to, I mean, so, yeah, uh, wouldn't have possible. And growing up, taking me to uh, cricket coaching, bringing me back and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, invested quite a bit into my career as well. We'll go on to talk about the successes you've had in cricket mm. and broadcasting mm-hmm. and everything else that you're now doing. On reflection now, when you spoke about the friction that that desire to play cricket may be caused, how much mm-hmm. of the credit do you now give to your family being so supportive of something that probably was a bit of a pipe dream at one point? I think a lot of it, a lot of it. I think it's, see, for for anyone to be successful, it's very difficult to do it on your own. I mean, if I'm talking about any industry, any field, you've got to have a support system, could be your parents, could be friends. Uh, and it's so important. And especially when I say sports, it becomes important because uh you're you're always kind of under the spotlight so to say you you know so it's very important and and for a sports person's life it could be a roller coaster right you know up and down i mean one game you're doing well the next game you're not uh so it's important to have uh that kind of a support and that kind of an environment so i was kind of lucky to have obviously the parents and then my wife uh kids who do understand uh, because personally my lifestyle hasn't changed much i would i would be traveling while i was playing and i'm still traveling now i mean the whole of this year i may have just spent maximum a month at home so i think um, yeah it's 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 very very important to have that uh, right through your career playing and after uh, because we have very, very different lifestyle, very different and can be quite taxing if uh, you don't have the right support. Yeah. And just building off of what you just said about being under the spotlight as a player and how that can be quite difficult. Is that the yeah. same now that you're a commentator as well? Do you still feel the, the pressure and the criticism from, from the general public yes to a great extent yes and especially with social media which is fine that's obviously given a platform for everyone to express themselves which is very good uh but yeah can go overboard at times so you got to be careful the words that you use uh and also you know uh there are things that you can't uh, use anymore and you got to be very very mindful sentences and context and everything else so yeah i mean uh you 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 definitely are under the spotlight um uh, but yeah i mean that's that's something i guess obviously as a cricketer that's a lot more i mean you can't even compare to be honest 
again with social media and everything else i think it's just beyond comparison what sports people not just cricketers sports people um go through now you know mm-hmm. one performance and especially uh when you talk about indian cricket because there is there's so much of talent there and the uh the talent pool is so huge so there's always a lot more pressure as compared to maybe some of the other teams or other sport because you don't have too many choices but for every position in india as far as cricket is concerned you have five seven other choices right so the pressure is always on the guy who's actually playing you know yeah. and invariably i think that's human psychology the guy who's not playing invariably is better than the guy who's playing Mm. Yeah, so so you always i mean uh, uh, to be a, a indian cricketer right now it's you've got to be really really mentally strong and that's something i don't think we necessarily appreciate from other cricketers yeah. as well is that it's there's pressure on so speaking from england there's pressure on english mm-hmm. cricketers obviously any yeah. south cricketer any scriptions got pressure on them but then you go to india um i, I haven't actually been but i'd love to and it's a religion and it's not a sport and it has the the following of religion and the pressure that comes with being involved with that is oh, just yeah. must just be immense um and i didn't plan for this um section to go on as long as it did but i'm finding it very interesting mm-hmm. so one last question mm-hmm. what are some of the ways that you cope with that pressure that you get from everyone having a comment on your opinions mm-hmm. on your broadcast. Yeah. I imagine people will have told you that you're bad at your job that you Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> the worst at your job that there's no one ever any better. Yeah. So how do you do you just not look at your feedback? Do you Uh to- I don't yeah I mean I I used to but I still feel um kind of obliged to look at it at times because if somebody's taking the time and effort to write something um uh, it's i guess it's only uh, reasonable to at least have a look at it or reply if not a sentence just a thumbs up or something like that uh because i i, I certainly think that uh, if you've taken the time out uh to actually write something about me and i think it's uh, it's all, it's only fair to for me to kind of at least read it but obviously there are these messages which are uh, can be obnoxious can be uh can be harsh i don't mind criticism in fact recently somebody did send me a message about something a comment that i made and i accepted it uh like fair enough i and that that's fine that's absolutely fine uh but yeah one of the things i i do is accept the fact that it's a it's a great platform for a lot of people to to kind of let out the negativity in their lives as well so if if somebody if a stranger is feels happy abusing me for a minute fair enough good luck if that helps him uh to spread less negativity in his life uh, with his family or with his friends around him by abusing a stranger that he doesn't know that he doesn't understand good luck to him fair enough i mean that's the kind of mindset i have right now uh that's kind of something that every time i see something uh which is not constructive which is just random abuse i said fair enough you happy you happy of using a stranger good luck i hope you don't take it out on your family and friends mm-hmm. 
Wow. That's such a mature way to look at it. And one which I think more people could maybe take on board in the media industry that actually in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, Ali, and, and I mean, I've, I've given it a lot of thought. I mean, I'm, I'm not very active on social media. You can go check. I mean, one of the things, one of the reasons is, is one, I don't like posting pictures of myself for some reason. I don't think that's, yeah, but whatever, and, and things like that. But, but also I've realized it's generally, it can be a very, um, can be negative. It generally can be. So, and, and if you accept it, if you accept these facts, then you're not as troubled as you would be otherwise. So in this mm-hmm. final game of cricket at Eden Gardens, who mm-hmm. will you have batting? Well, you get one, one batter to choose that you get to see in this final game of cricket, and who will it be? Oh, it has to be one batter. Yeah. Oh, dear Lord. I'll go for Sunny G, Sunny Garska. Grew up watching him. Uh, as in watching clips of him. Uh, um, I still remember my first ever live game that I went to a stadium and watched it was 83 or 84. Sunil Gavaskar got 100. I think he was batting 94 first session after first session itself. Um, yeah. And I, haven't, I would love to see him bat again, yes. I mean, would have also... Can I get put in another? I mean, I've, I've got so many of them. Sorry, yeah. But if if it's just one, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why I say it's a cruel, a cruel podcast that people shouldn't come on. Yeah, you have to whittle it down to. I mean, listen. Ideally speaking, I would have loved to see somebody that I haven't seen at all. Let me just put it out there. I've still seen someone like came maybe clips of Gary Sobers and stuff like that. But yeah, Don Bradman. I yeah. Mean, if it's Calcutta seventies. Yeah, why not, Don Brown? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and not that he's played in India. I don't think he's played in Asia at all. So, yeah, you know what? Let me change that change that answer. Let me say Don Bradman, Eden Gardens, because he's never played in, in Asia. Mm-hmm. I think the only game he played was a side game in Sri Lanka when they were going to England from Australia on the way that stopped mm-hmm. um, in Colombo, I guess, the ship. Um and I don't think he's ever, ever toured India. So, yes, Don Bradman then it Don is Bradman. at Eden Gardens. Okay. I'll break Sunny the bad news that he got demoted <laughs> in second place. Now, Deep, did you enjoy school? And given the fact that you said that it was always the backdrop, was always academics, what were you like yeah. as, a, as a student growing up? Uh, I was average, bang average. Um, but yeah, I was never pressurized to be anything more than that. I mean, wasn't, I mean, there are, I mean, uh, I mean, there are parents who would pressurize their kids to be, you know, top of the class in the top half. But my my parents were never. They were like, okay, as long as you're doing all right, it's fine. Uh, because I always had. I mean, I started playing cricket, kind of going to an academy and, and you know cricket classes and stuff when I was twelve, thirteen. 
So I always had that on the side, and I always had that as an excuse as well. <laughs> you know, I mean, going for cricket five days a week or four days a week. Uh, uh, so that always helped. But yeah, I mean, I was bang average, uh, but did all right. I was never one of those guys who would be studying every day. So my schedule was was very straightforward, to be honest. Um, wake up at five forty-five, six. Leave for school by six forty-five. From school, I would uh, school would finish on two ten, two thirty. From there, I would go to straight for my cricket classes, and then my dad would, on his way back from office, pick me up around six. Come back. I was supposed to be doing homework, but I was too tired. I would doze off, and so my my basically my studying would be a month before the exams, or maybe fifteen twenty days before the exams, where my dad would and my parents would say, you know, enough is enough. <laughs> you know, sit down and and put your head down. And did they stop you playing cricket at that point, or did they? Uh, uh, maybe last ten odd days, yes. Last ten odd days, they say, you know, do it and all. Uh, yeah. But otherwise, never. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And we talk about you as a as a cricketer and broadcaster and everything. But mm-hmm. is it right that you were originally a gymnast? Right? <laughs> yes. And the story behind that is so uh, the place that we used to go uh, for my brother, uh, as I've mentioned before, he was an athlete, uh, had other sports as well. So, and I was only. Eight years old then, eight or nine maybe, and uh, yeah. So they had a rule that you you had to be twelve year old to get into cricket. So because I was going there, my mom, our mom would take both of us there, and uh, so I was just sitting around. They said, might as well put him into gymnastics. So I was, I think, ten years old or whatever, nine, ten, and uh, that was the only sport where somebody as young as me could could join. So that's how I joined. I did a couple of camps and stuff like that. But I would, so uh, the gymnastic arena was roughly, let's say, 150 odd meters from the cricket ground. So I would sneak out of the arena and go and stand outside the cricket field. And there was this fence. I would stand outside the fence and, and watch guys play cricket. I was, like I said, very young. So so the coach there um Gosharan Singh, uh, I mean, sir, he's still there. So he would, uh, he one day after what good 15, 20 days of seeing this young kid standing outside the fence, he's, he called me inside. He's like, then he called my parents and said, listen, obviously I can't kind of get him in, but let him hang around cricketers and cricket or whatever. So I would just hang around there. So after he would finish a session, he would throw a few balls at me. I'll hit a few balls or do some, you know, take some catches and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so that's the gymnastic story. <laughs> okay. And not doing it the wrong way, but if I asked you then mm-hmm. as a, I don't know, sort of post-gymnastics, but pre-cricket deep, um, mm-hmm. average at school, but enjoying his, enjoying his life and everything, yeah. what would you say you would have wanted to become at that point? Was it always at that point, even at that age, you knew about cricket and you wanted to be a cricketer or were you enjoying being around gymnastics and all these things you were doing? No, no, no. It's never gymnastics was like uh, just a reason 
a way to keep me busy to be honest uh, yeah uh, so it was cricket always but cricket was more of passion and hobby like i said till i was 19 20 maybe uh, last year of college uh, when i made my uh, first class debut till then cricket was never a career option because cricket unlike now wasn't a career option back then uh you would only make some money if you're playing um uh, playing for your country and i mean playing for your country is is oh, it's extremely extremely tough but anyways i mean but what, the good thing is if you're playing cricket in india and you're decent enough you get a scholarship in school in the sense you get a admission uh, in in college in uni because uh most of the unis they have you know sports teams or cricket teams uh and then you get public sector jobs as well so my first job was through cricket uh it was in indian railways uh yeah and i was there for four years mhm and when you say your job within cricket was at indian railways would they sponsor cricket players to work for them so they could play cricket yes so would get a proper job Mm. uh as in a 9 to 5 with mm. a monthly salary and uh all you had to do was actually go show up uh and and basically play for the company because the companies would have teams playing in the corporate you know local corporate uh, tournaments and stuff uh and you just play for your company team and uh, uh that used to be huge back then uh so that was an advantage of playing cricket even if you didn't play for your uh if you had played for your state as a which is first class uh more often than not i mean chances are you would get a job in a public sector company mm-hmm. uh which is pretty decent actually yeah. okay so just sorry i'm maybe this is the point here but your job at the railway company was just to play cricket or did you also have a job alongside playing cricket with that company? so no uh at railways no Yeah. in railways i was predominantly playing cricket so i would go sign and we had to reach there certain times we just go sign uh, every now and then would have to do some work but mm. not really a lot um, yeah and indian railways this is uh, is they they've always had a really good cricket team as well mm-hmm. um so yeah so it was pretty decent that way pretty nice i was imagining you i don't know being like a train conductor by day and then but uh, no i mean thankfully not i mean we we did have to kind of go and do some paperwork every now and then uh but not much to be honest i mean i and you see a lot of cricketers including ms who was part of indian railways as well so there's they they had i mean they still do employ a lot of cricketers mhm mhm interesting now deep it's time for your third choice mm-hmm. who will be bowling at Sadon Bradman at Eden Gardens I'd say Kapil Dev I've been extremely fortunate that way uh, my heroes growing up uh, years were the guys I kind of work with now you know let's say Sunil Gavaskar Kapil Dev and all they're like my role models and icons and stuff like that and now been lucky enough to spend so much of time with them you know in the com box traveling hotel rooms we were part of the bubble for good two two and a half years <laughs> so it's it's been fabulous so yeah I've, i've 
been lucky that been fortunate to have spent a lot of time with a lot of my heroes here Did you always know that you'd make it to play for India? There are 400, maybe 500 first-class cricketers, roughly around that time. I mean, rough, rough, roughly around those numbers. And we've only had about 300 odd Test players so far over 75 years. So, and obviously this is pre-T20, so Test cricket was the format for me. It still is, to be honest. Um, and yeah and and so it was it was a dream it was something yeah i just wanted to play cricket things happen it it would happen but yeah idea was to play first class cricket was playing first class cricket isn't that easy either uh, so playing first class cricket so it so the good part is in india it it is very structured that way so the pathways obviously 15 and then uh, used to be 15 but 16 then 19 uh then ranji trophy so you could see yourself once you're in the system once you've played under 16 once you've played under 19 you you know your competition you know areas that you need to improve and stuff like that so from the outside it looks extremely unlikely when you look at the numbers and you know the odds and stuff but once you're in the system you know i think you're a lot more motivated and lot clearer in in the path that you're taking. Mm. And do you not find that a little bit strange because when I speak to other cricketers they have like a, mm. a laser like focus where their entire existence is pointed towards being an international player it's the pinnacle is reaching I know hitting uh, my country but for you it seems that you're yeah. relaxed about it. Um how do you reflect on that now? See the idea is it, like I said the odds are so stacked against you because I was very average in terms of talent I wasn't like a prodigy or something you know that coming through the ranks and we would be like oh that's the piece the next big thing it was never like that I was till date I haven't played in a in in a team where I was the most talented so it was never like that for me uh, so it was like you know you've got to keep working hard something that i always believe that uh that working hard is in my control i'm mean, naturally gifted i'm not like i said so it was never like that so uh, i so like i said till i was 20 21 it was like and and coming from a a, a background that i i am it it becomes very difficult of uh, to pursue with sport in india at least at that point in time and even though cricket was the sport you still had to have a decent life a job and stuff like that uh, so it, like i said so it was always like okay let's see where cricket how far cricket can take me but it was always going to be you know maybe an mba or a child accountant or something like that something in the finances um yeah so it was always a dream so every time i at times i now when i look back and i like yeah i should have done better i should have done this and that and then i go back to the question that you asked 
ask the same to my 10 year old or 12 year old and say you know what this is how your cricket career has ended up i'd say yeah i've done a <laughs> you know pretty decent job yeah i i will not let you get away with saying that you are completely average because we'll go on to talk mm. about your test debut for india which you are not average mm. if you managed to make that happen but we'll come on to that um it's time for your fourth choice uh mm. you've played under some great captains in your time i'm sure mm-hmm. but who would you want to see marshalling the troops in this dream game of cricket because it's endless as in timeless cricket uh test i'm going to say sort of mm-hmm. um, i think he was absolutely brilliant uh he he's a leader he's not just a captain you know uh, and he exactly knows which buttons to press i i think uh yeah i'm yeah i'm going to go with sort of yeah okay and who's just on the side who was the best captain that you played under and what made them so special i think sort of sort of because um he like i said he would uh, he would know exactly how to treat an individual and um so his treatment would be different and um but the thing is so he would say okay oliver would be treated in a certain way and i'd be like why is he tre- treating him differently but then he'll come to me and and kind of explain listen you know he's so and so and i need to so his man management skills were were brilliant so he didn't have um, you know one size fit all kind of a policy so he would have but he would also make it a point to kind of justify that to the others if others had a problem with that mm-hmm. uh, so i think yeah and and the environment was nice and calm and you know but also got to give a lot of credit to the other seniors if you think about it there was rahul dravid anil kumble shrinath at that point in time i mean you know big names uh, uh, sort of himself uh, then you add the next generation which is sevag paji uv and all these guys and all these guys the best part you know they were allowed to say whatever they wanted whatever they wanted and one day i did ask sort of i was like you know how do you allow these kids to take your case like that you know kids as in my age as in come on you 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 so senior you're the captain i mean why do you let them speak to you like that he's like i don't care if that makes them feel comfortable and allows them to give their 100% and i'm winning games i don't have a problem if if they take my case or if, i mean if i'm the butt of their jokes and all that I mean that's that's how he led I mean and I thought it was was fabulous For those that aren't aware of this can you take us through I'm not going to say the surprising nature of your debut but at least the <laughs> the last the last minute.com debut yeah, yeah so um so i was picked for the south africa series as the second keeper and this was the morning of the first test match and generally what happens is uh, if you're not playing you actually had the others prepare so i was actually giving catches i can't remember to whom i was giving some catches and stuff like that uh, helping this guy um, and corner of my eye i was 
next to the the pitch corner of my eyes is Samir Dige who is the the first church keeper him walking towards the pitch and he had his hand on his back and he was kind of looked uncomfortable and i was like hmm what's going on here <laughs> and uh, and then suddenly i see him go and have a chat with sorov who was getting ready to go change into his whites for the toss and uh, uh and i'm i in a corner of my eye i see them having this conversation and i was like uh, and i'm thinking is does that mean something that's that regarding me am i involved in that conversation or something like that so anyways i see him running back into the dressing room to get changed up so i see him walking out of it in his whites for the toss and on his way for the toss he comes to me and says deep congratulations you're playing i was like what <laughs> and then <laughs> and then i quickly run up i get my keeping gloves because i have my set routine as well warming up and stuff so i quickly kind of you know rush through my routines and stuff like that and thank god uh, i think we lost the toss and we were batting i mean we were batting bottom line so got that extra bit of time so didn't have to quickly pad up and go and feel so we were batting but we were what 20 for 3 or something <laughs> so within the first half in our 45 minutes we had lost 3 4 wickets and i was padded up uh, i think i batted at 6 if i'm not wrong i padded up and uh, thank god there was this huge partnership um that was within the sevaks debut as well bloomfontein so viru got 100 uh, sachin got 100 they had a massive partnership so that kind of helped me ease into whatever Yeah so that was that's the story yeah okay and can you remember I'm interested in feelings can you remember how you felt when you I was numb I was absolutely numb because everything happened so quickly you know I wasn't told the the eve of the test match that you're playing you know so you could so I was told I wasn't so I was like all right whatever so everything moved so it, it only sunk in I came back to my hotel and I I was speaking to family and spoke to my brother and he was like do you realize you're a test player now no matter if you don't end up playing another game ever you still be a test player and that's when it sunk in as like yeah I'm a test player now you know and so that was only after day 1 of of the test match which which I realized yeah that's one thing that nobody can ever take it take away from me mm-hmm. and and were you more nervous than usual when you were playing or were you so confident no. in your abilities that it didn't phase you at all that you were thrown in not really i was i'll be honest i was i wasn't confident of my ability because if you think about it back then again pre ipl days uh i had played zack as in zahir once because the international players weren't available for domestic cricket I had played Srinath once or maybe twice. So all the top guys, I had only Indian top guys. I, w- I had played only once or twice max before getting into the Indian side. And suddenly now you're playing, you know, Sean Pollock, Callis, and, and all these guys. And so it it wasn't. It, I mean, it wasn't that easy. So I wasn't confident. So it was always, I always had that question whether I was good enough. But uh i my mind was quite clear you know as in just because one thing i was very very conscious these guys are next level 
So I had to get ready early. So my only focus was getting ready early and then let my instincts take over. So getting ready early. So that was all I was bothered about. So I had a shuffle movement, I had a trigger movement. So my only thing was I've got to get in that position, in that playing position early. And that's it. Mm -hmm. So I was not really thinking a lot, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And I'm kind of expecting to know what the answer is going to be for this, given how we discussed about the status of cricket in India Mm. compared to other test nations. Mm -hmm. But looking at the kind of players that you took the field with, I mean, the obvious one, you've said you mm. were Sachin Tendulkar, for example. Yeah. What was it? Yeah, because what was it like taking the field with those people? But also, what was it like to play for India, if that makes sense? Because there are so many people, millions of people who will dream of that happening. Mm. I dare say oh. it might be, might be under, maybe a little bit underwhelming in the moment because you're so focused. Mm. You're not thinking, oh, I'm walking out with Sachin. Yeah. With, yeah. You're thinking... Yeah, you can't appreciate the moment if that makes sense. Yeah, true, hundred percent, and I completely agree with you. And you kind of don't feel it. It only feels when my younger one, he's my younger one, hadn't seen me play cricket, right? And uh, he asked me one day when he was really young. He's like, "Oh, have you played with Sachin Tendulkar?" I was like, "Yes, I have." And when your son asks you that question, you 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 suddenly realize. Uh, then then he's yeah, and then I was like, no, you know, so I started taking you into great classes and stuff like that. But yeah, what you're saying is right. I mean, at that point in time, you do have a feeling. And because it has happened a couple of times with me that the moment I got out was, I mean, so I was playing with Rahul and they wanted to see Sachin back. So they also wanted to see Rahul bad. So they wanted me to get out. So, you know, so yeah, I, you, yeah. So I, I, I distinctly remember this, this test match against, it was in Nagpur against England. We were, uh, last day we needed 300 plus 330 or something like that to win the test match last day on a, on a fifth day pitch. So we said, okay, no, we are not going for it. We had won the first test match. This was the second. We said, okay, let's just play for the draw. And uh, so me and Rahul, we were batting again. And I'm at, a, I'm at kind of my best when I'm playing for draws. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so anyway, so, uh, so this is lunch. And you could actually see the crowd going really mad at me. Because they wanted to see Sachin. <laughs> and and so Rahul was at the other end. And I, I got really upset. And I said, you know, and I called him Rahul. Bhai. I said, Rahul, bhai, I'm going to start playing my shots no matter what. If I get out, I get out. And so for the next five, six overs, after every ball, he would come up to me and say, remember the job that we're supposed to do. Just remember that you're playing for the team, not for yourself. And those five, six overs, I was like, so so terribly pissed. I was like, dude, I, I don't want to be here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyways, I, I got out. I got out maybe, I don't know, maybe an hour after lunch or something like that. And uh, the the reception, the crowd was on its feet. And I was like, 
yeah i got a 50 but it wasn't that great in innings but then suddenly i realized it was not for me it was for sachin who was walking out <laughs> so it, it's just amazing i mean but those guys i tell you what they're legends obviously on the field but off the field as well uh as human beings they are unbelievable um it was it was just a pleasure to even now spending time with them in a whenever we get an opportunity it's it's just brilliant and you you do talk about cricket obviously yes but you do talk about so many other things and that is something that i've learned from them cricket is a very important part of your life but it can't be your life uh, you know that you've got to have other things other interests as well and it's just wonderful mhm mhm and final question on this section and we'll move on to something else of the world beating talent and i mean that mm-hmm. in complete sincerity they are looking at the people you, you played with um they are some of the best or good on history as some of the best players to have ever played the game who were some of the the players in that mix that even amongst the company they were in stood out to you ah oh, straight away okay my teammates right i'm going to go with sachin obviously number one he god uh and sachin of the 90s i think uh late late in his career uh, i mean he was still a great batter but that fearlessness in his batting in the 90s and early 2000s that i'm sorry i mean again i've i've seen viv so viv uh you know glimpses of him and stuff like that but that that domination against world class bowling it's unbelievable it's just unbelievable and again till 2000s if you think about bowlers every team would have quality spinners and fast bowlers if you think of australia england i mean non traditional spin bowling countries as well they had really good spinners uh warney and all of them and then obviously fast bowlers and to dominate so srt i mean such a right up there rahul i mean unfortunately or whatever we don't at times goes under the radar but what 10000 odi runs 12000 plus test run i mean that is unbelievable right uh so rahul and again rahul his work ethics and i haven't seen anyone like that you know the way he would get into the details and work out every small detail of his of his game uh uh brilliant so him anil against somebody who's i think yeah is not given his his right due i mean obviously he's treated but somebody who's got as many wickets as he has and and also knowing the fact that he's not somebody who turns the ball that much he's not like a shane warn or or a mutha murlidharan but still to have that i think he's for me in that era the best uh or the best match test match winner that that india had mm-hmm. yeah bhaji as well so yeah i mean there are quite a few actually i mean to be honest it's i've i've been very very blessed to have played with with these guys i mean to have shared the dressing room with these guys uh vvs is very very special as well 
really is as a human being oh my god so <laughs> yeah he's he's in a different league as, as obviously as a cricket but as a human being oh my, the questions he'll ask you he'll come and ask you oliver how did you play that shot and he did ask me that <laughs> you know after one of the innings i was like is that vivas lakshman asking me how i played that shot <laughs> are you serious are you kidding me for a second i, was, I thought he was you know he was taking a mickey out of me but he was serious like oh, okay whatever yeah so yeah blessed really blessed deep it's time for your fielder if you could have one fielder mm-hmm. at any position on the, on the pitch who would you have fielding in this game and why don't you roads have experienced it firsthand and it's scary it is scary so as a batter you always looking to drop and run so you would look at covers and point you see backward point and you'd like okay if i played in that gap in front of point with soft hands as a single and every time i did that jonty rose would be standing right next to me i say like, whatever if i'd hit it hard then you'd say you know what okay if he's coming in that close let me try and hit it hard if you hit it hard it still be there covering the angle so he's he was scary he was very very scary but and also remember i think this is on the eve of an odi in durban so we were practicing and south africa was just finishing off their session and we went in and it was jonty practicing his feeling he was going through his feeling drills it was a treat to watch just to watch him practice feeling was unbelievable okay so it's not ideal necessarily if you're admiring the opposition when you're supposed to be in the <laughs> to try and yeah yeah it, it, like i said it was spooky it was spooky you know when you're playing against them yeah You played eight test matches for India mm. after your international career. Mm. How did you deal with? I imagine quite well, but I've never spoken to you. But how did you deal with mm. being let go from the Indian setup, knowing that will probably your last time? And then also, were was your purpose after then? Oh God! Back into the Indian team, or were you, have you made peace with your demons at that point that you weren't going to represent your country? No. It- took me a couple of years to make peace and it was a really dark time and uh, uh because i thought the whole world was against me and i would get into fights and arguments and stuff like that and like i said it took me a couple of years i think uh got to give a lot of credit to my wife um, uh, who was very patient number one and then also helped me through that period like i said and and i think also the fact in those couple of years by then ms dhoni had kind of cemented his place and you kind of knew okay, that this is it you know uh, i'm not in the race anymore kind of a thing uh and and what it also does is you it's kind of a quick sand because like i said when i was at my best i was focusing on the process i just wanted to get early uh, into that setup but 
that period of time, I started focusing too much on the end result. So before the game would start, I would say, okay, I need to get 100 in this game to make it back and stuff like that. You know? And so it, the whole focus shifted to the end result. It wasn't on the process. And obviously that would mean I did not have a good next year or so in terms of performances. So anyways, so MSD's, MS cementing his place, me not performing. So that that gap kind of increased as well. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and yeah, so after two, two years, I had a chat with my wife and a couple of other guys. And I was like, uh, and I asked myself, why am I playing this sport? Right. And I had, I was all right in education. I would get a job and I did get a job, which, uh, which had me kind of proper work nine to five. I was part of corporate communication and tried to work. So I was like, okay, I've got a job, which does not necessarily means I have to go play. It's a nine to five. Um, then why am I playing this sport? And the answer was because I love playing the sport. And my next question was, am I staying, am I still enjoying it? And the answer was no. And then I said, okay, from now on, I'll, I'll just try and enjoy. And the next two years are the best two years of my life uh, in terms of enjoyment. It so happened I was made the captain of my first class side as well. And it was just brilliant. Two years back to back. We played finals of Ranji Trophy, and uh, and it was it was just fun. It was so every from then on, <clears throat> every minute that I spent on the field was because I wanted to be there. I just enjoyed being on the field, not because I wanted to play for India or to you know do something or the other. I just wanted to enjoy being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't have to talk about this. Don't want to, but you mentioned the fact that you had. Um quite a dark period in your life in those two years mm. when you're trying to process that. Yeah. How did that manifest itself? Uh, like I said, fights and being irritated all the time. Uh, uh, kind of going to a fight in a pub. Uh, back in India, somebody said something to me and I was going to punch him. Yeah, it was, yeah, just, just being irritated all the time and yeah and a couple few things actually a lot of things happened to kind of get me out of it birth of my son uh my first one and that job um, so yeah so i last time i was scheme of things was 2003 and this was 2005 and a lot of things happened actually and <clears throat> it's funny um that when you mentally are are ready to move on things just fall into place and uh by that time i was kind of made peace with where i am then obviously uh birth of my first child and my everything else that job and everything kind of kind of helped me kind of ease into the next phase of my life so who would you have behind the stump in this dream match and you're not allowed to say yourself not that you would anyway oh i, I won't i, I won't I would have picked myself anyway so. <laughs> uh no chance but um you know what i i would pick 
I would pick Ridhiman Saha. I haven't seen Alan Knott. I would also the other person I would I would have picked would be Alan Knott because not just fast bowling, but had to keep to underwood on as as it would be called. I mean, you know those un uncovered pitches. Sticky dogs, if I'm not called, uh, those pitches were called uh, to keep to Underwood, who would bowl as quick as he did on on wet pitches and obviously fast bowling. So yeah, that would be very very interesting. So Alan Knott or Ridhimansa would be my choice of keepers behind. Yeah. Okay, and if I have to push you for one name, Ridhiman or Oh my God! So I've seen Ridhimansa. Yeah, I've seen him actually grow up. So so I'm gonna go with Alan Knott. Yeah. Just keeping know. this theme of yeah, so I'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Was there anybody in your career where you either mm-hmm. thought, "Oh no, I don't want to be playing against this person," or conversely? I'm so happy I'm yeah. playing this team because I get to get one <laughs> person. If you ask the bowlers I've played against, they they'd be very happy to bowl to me, anyways. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not really, you know. But <clears throat> there are a couple of I, this is first class cricketer, uh, and he. So I've always had issues with medium paces you know what i'm saying so there's this bowler called jp yadav who would bowl in wwe 120s but he had a really good seam position right so on flattest of tracks it would do just that little bit and it would irritate the hell out of me and i, I would stand outside the crease so he would call the keeper up to the stumps so i had to go back into the crease and and i hated bowlers like that and he would irritate the hell out of me to be honest yeah those 120 early 120s yeah mm. yeah so like a colin de grunt home kind of not yeah yeah with a keeper standing up yeah and you face so much so many of them here in england in club cricket and all right mm. ah and the keepers are so good here especially you got to be very very careful anything going down leg side you make sure you don't drag your feet out given the self-deprecating answer you gave about yourself not wanting to be uh, <laughs> bowlers not being scared of you in oh, no, no, national no. cricket was there ever somebody that you thought i don't want to be bowl- i don't want to be facing up to jack callis or whoever just not him anyone not really not really actually um no no because all most of my career especially at the international level i've always kind of wanted to see whether i was good enough or not so it was never like um i'll i'll <laughs> tell you a funny and interesting story um so for the first time in south africa I was playing somebody as quick as 90 hayward he was 150 right like i said i haven't played anyone of I mean, that kind of pace so there was this uh uh speedometer screen backward of point from where i was back in pavilion and i still remember that so he would bowl one ball and i was i would look at the screen it said 148 i was like wow and it just kind of i was feeling good about myself i was feeling happy that i could play 148 
then one of the deliveries it went up to 151 i was like wow i can pay 151 k zanar and so yeah i mean so i i was i was always that way i've been trying to figure out whether i was good enough for that level or not and for that for me to find that out was always playing the best bowlers that i could the, f- the first person i've ever heard get a morale boost from having somebody bowl yeah. that was yeah i mean that was brilliant because i the the quickest that i had ever played like i said would maybe at that point in time zack zahir would be you know and his good day would be 144 145 but again you know he wouldn't that's only one set after him mm-hmm. so i hadn't played anyone anywhere near 150 before this is another going on from the wicket keeping point um you're also not allowed to select yourself as the commentator you'd like to have over this match mm-hmm. given who you work with and the professional mm-hmm. circle you operate in i imagine you rub shoulders every day with some yeah. commentators on the circuit yeah yeah a great commentator and who would you have commentating over this <laughs> so okay let's let's just put this into context so it's the old eden gardens don bradman playing against or oh, let's say couple leaves right and i want a contemporary uh commentator because it'll be very interesting so if it had been contemporary cricketers i would have said i would have loved to hear ruchi beno commentating in a t20 game right let's say an ipl game <laughs> it would have been very interesting so i'm going to go the other way because we are looking at um players from the past let's say contemporary commentator like uh who would be let's say someone like um a ravi shastri or a simon dool or a bish for that matter mm-hmm. you know somebody who lot of energy and you know property 20 commentator commentating on a timeless test match <laughs> that interesting that we that we funny as well yeah and from the people that you said that you work with how much yeah. you're learning from them and and who are those people that you still oh, it's still just brilliant um, yeah so again um, apart from just being there with your uh, with your role models and stuff because the other guy i really love watching was mike atherton when he was and his backward punches i just love it um So yeah I mean just just to be around these guys it's it's awesome and you get to you get to pick things I've never had a role model well I was playing as well and same goes with my uh life as a as a broadcaster there is so much that you can pick from different people you know for example let's say the energy of Ravi to the use of word of let's say a harsha or a bish using the right words at the right time and especially from a caller's perspective okay in in broadcasting we have the the caller or the expert and then the caller uh then uh you know someone like athers how he weaves in stories and and being analytical at the same time uh, uh 
yeah so it's it's just uh it's just so much you can learn from different people and and that's what i do and when i listen i mean i watch cricket games i'm actually studying as well it's not just the game it's the commentary as well for example uh, the england ireland test match i'm not just watching it i'm listening to it as well and and trying to learn and you know pick up points like you know what oh that's a very interesting point and how that point was articulated as well mm-hmm. so things like that yeah okay great and um okay so if i had to push you for one one single name who would you oh my god no that that's something i can't like i said that's oh i'm sorry i can't okay absolutely yeah yeah i'll give you how about i'll give you a hybrid give me a moment give me a context okay and i'll tell you who let's so, say so for example it's if it's the final over of a t20 world cup mm-hmm. yeah i'd give you three names i'd say bish duli ravi shastri if you say world test championship final over of the world test championship i'll go michael atherton okay i'll go ian smith and hashab ogle what what i'll do then is i will it's been known to happen occasionally that i'll bend the rules but what i'll do is i'll give you like a, a shape shifting mutant android thing where you can mm. program in whoever to appear so if you can choose oh this this part of the game i want this person this part of the game so oh yeah oh want, yeah but they technically are still one person so the rules still work for this and this is born out of i hate to say it but this is born out of a meme that it goes around my generation on the internet mm. um but you can actually say thank you for coming to my ted talk which is something that i would love to be able to say but can't can you take me through why you did a ted talk what it was about oh. and okay. how how it even came to be in the first place so i was approached by this university in pune and they're saying doing a ted talk and uh, so i'm kind of keen of keen and and a and a student of of data in sports i think there is a lot of data which is available but data for me means nothing means those are just absolute numbers so for me i think data mining is more important and and kind of analyzing data is more important than just just data itself so this was about how i think data would change and this is good 8 years ago or something and the topic was about data changing sports and i think how data would change sports going going forward and how important data would be which it is it is but also i think uh, data is also making people lazy because like i said data is is brilliant uh, it's magnificent more the better but 
you've got to have the right people to analyze it to to actually figure out the real story because you can turn data around the way you want you can you can use it based on your narrative so so you you need the right people you really do need the right people to to get the best out of data so this was the whole thing mm-hmm. about data and sports and the importance of data yeah mm-hmm. okay right and um so final category coming mm-hmm. up and probably i would say the most important category of them all mm-hmm. what will you be having for your cricket teas what 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 food would you have a company you in this last game mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I've always been a fan of egg and mayo sandwich. What kind of bread would you have it on? Um, that's the question, isn't it? Oh, uh, okay, fair enough. I uh, I'd say a uh, whole grain. A whole grain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't go though. Whole grain egg and mayo, but yeah, I won't mind that. Um uh, coffee, tons of coffee. Um I have uh, more more than i should actually salt and vinegar crisps um yeah um and scones why not yeah this is for tea right this is for tea you did not mention lunch and all that so, this is for yeah however you want to whatever food you want so tea this is fine so this is tea this is only 20 minute break so yeah all that for tea but when it comes to comes to lunch uh So this is not going to be a sporting very cricketing lunch right so this is like this like a proper wedding lunch shooting yourself exactly <laughs> yes yeah yeah, yeah 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 so proper proper lunch um yeah something like uh butter chicken and garlic naan um i like paneer a lot so paneer i'm not a big veggie fan uh, my wife keeps Tell me that um, I gotta have my greens. But anyway, so yeah, so yeah, chicken and paneer. What is next? For you, in terms of your ambitions for your commentary career, okay. thing. Uh, answer that one first, then I'll, I'll come back on you. Okay, so uh, right now, what I'm keeping myself busy with is a project that I'm working on. I'm so I'm a I'm a very passionate in terms of coaching. Uh, I I did coach the emerging team way back in 2014 in India. IPL I did a couple of years of coaching as well as assistant coach but then media happened and kind of got into that but I want to go back and get back to coaching so uh here in England um uh, I coach a couple of places but the project is uh, working with uh, with Super Kings Academy uh opening up in partnership an academy here Super Kings Academy Uh, uh which should be mid june um here in bakshe and uh yeah and and trying to get back to coaching uh, and and that's what i want to do going forward is yes have the media thing uh career broadcaster but i also think it's important to 
you know get back to 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 grassroots level as well uh and and also i just just love the uh, the satisfaction that you get from coaching mm-hmm. and and i think um uh, i'm not going to say i'm a good coach but i'll say you know i'm decent and um yeah and i would would like to contribute as as a coach as well because like i said i'm quite passionate about it okay and very finally if you could only pick one memory from your life so far that you could sort of mull over and cherish while you're watching this game from the stands which would it be uh, does it have to be a professional or any memory personal memory uh, whatever would be make you happiest when you're realizing that oh you're- god it's an end when when i held my kid for the first time as in i don't think any feeling in the world can ever change that more than playing you pick up your child when you pick up your child for the first time and you look at him and say god this is my flesh and blood. i mean, it, i i can't explain that that is i don't think there's any any thing that can beat that not not the best hundred no and nothing can even come close to it nothing can come close to it. yeah and was lucky enough to witness it twice and and feel it twice this mm. yeah right like well, it's a lovely way to in the podcast i'm going to run through your choices now mm-hmm. and check you're happy with them um mm-hmm. so this final match of cricket dream match of cricket will be yeah. taking place at eden gardens don bradman mm-hmm. will be batting kapil dev mm-hmm. bowling mm-hmm. Sarah mm-hmm. Lee will be captain. It's a timeless test. Timeless test. Sorry, yes, timeless yeah. test. Yeah. <laughs> Get it right, Ollie. Come on. Um, John T. <laughs> John T. Rhodes. Building. Alan will be behind the stumps. The commentator will be most commentators, which you can select in an option if yeah. you want to. Yeah, exactly. Imagine. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And then for food. for lunch you'll have sort of butter chicken garlic naan some paneer and then yeah. hungry at tea you'll have egg mayo sandwiches on whole grain bread salt and vinegar <laughs> bones and also lots and lots and lots of coffee how does that <laughs> as a, a final game of watching cricket how does that sound that sounds brilliant mate yeah 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 i can i can live with that yeah <laughs> yeah if for the for the crisps alone Well deep. Thank you so much. I mean I mean this genuinely. Thank you yeah. so much for for being so open and honest in this discussion. Um and it's really rare to get that kind of insight into the life of yeah. someone who's who's done the stuff that you've done and are working in the fields that you're working in now. So thank you for taking mm-hmm. the time. I really mean that. Pleasure. Um all that's left for me yeah. to do is to wish you all the very best for the future in all that you're doing and uh, um yeah, look forward to, to seeing where where you end up. Thank you so very much and uh pleasure. Uh, speaking to you. I seem to always be finding myself saying this, but it was an immense pleasure to get to know Deep. It wasn't just his good humor, his insightful choices, or even his love of egg and mayonnaise sandwiches, but rather it was a refreshing reminder that international cricketers are especially those who've paid for India, where cricket is more of a religion than a sport, just as human and just as fallible to the same issues as you or I. And don't get me wrong, Deep has earned his successes just like anyone else in the game. But whether behind the stumps 
or now in front of the camera, there was no laser-like focus on making it to the top. No grand idea that from a young age, all he would do is represent India and anything else would constitute failure. In a sometimes toxic world, Deep Story is a timely reminder for all of us that kindness and being our authentic selves gets you further in life than you might think. And isn't that refreshing to hear? That's it for this episode of the Cricket Chronicles. So much work goes into each episode, so please do take the time to subscribe and even give us a rating. It takes 10 seconds, is completely free, and makes a world of difference to us all. As always, you can get in touch with me at Oliver Laurie on Twitter or follow the podcast at Crick Chronicles to keep up to date with the latest news, features, and guest updates. We'll be back very soon. Take care.